The only way to stand firm, the only way to stand fast, the only way to stand secure is in the power of Christ. And aren't you glad that we have Christ indwelling us, giving us all strength and all power that we need to live lives that are pleasing to Him? It was not too many months ago I was talking to a uh, man who was having trouble with his employer. His boss had mistreated him. He had been promised things that had not been delivered. And he was angry, and justifiably so. I mean, there was no question uh, that he had been mistreated by his employer. And he was bitter, and he was angry, and he was trying to calculate how he could get some vengeance, some of his own back, be vindicated because his boss had drug his name through the mud. We got to spend some time looking at Scripture and spend some time seeing how God would have us respond. By the way, this is some of what we're studying today. And when I talked about forgiveness, forgiveness necessary for his relationship with God, and forgiveness necessary as a testimony to the power and the goodness of, of Christ, he said, I, I'm not going to forgive him. I, I, I can't do that. And I said, but remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, how that if we don't forgive, we aren't forgiven. Remember how the command comes very clearly in Ephesians 4.32 that we're to forgive because we're to forgive. And remember the example of Jesus Christ when he prayed for those who were nailing his limbs to a cross with spikes. Father, forgive them. And he looked at me dead in the face and he said, yeah, but I'm not Jesus. And, and I said, buddy, I know. <laughs> Neither am I. But here's the good news. If you've come to the Lord Jesus Christ, if you know him personally, you have Jesus who lives in you. And he is able to do in you and through you what you cannot possibly do. And he can bring you to the place where you can do what he commands you to do by his strength and enables you to do it. And he said, yeah, we're done. If that's what's required, I'm out. I'm out. Now, I've talked to him several times since then, and i got to tell you, do you guys know what bitterness looks like on somebody's face and in somebody's life? They're okay if they're talking about this, and they're okay if they're talking about that, but when you broach certain subjects or address certain things, all of a sudden, everything just closes down. Expressions, you know, they just get brittle because of bitterness and a grudge. I've got to tell you, that is not a testimony of, of Christ. That is not something that God calls us to do, and yet when we look at the... The commands of Scripture, sometimes we just say, well, that's just impossible. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have it in me to do that. Well, here's the good news. When you come to the Lord Jesus Christ in repentance and faith, you do have it in you because He's put it there. The Holy Spirit dwells you and indwells you. The Holy Spirit gives you the power to be able to accomplish. One of the things that Paul continually prayed for people is he gave them high expectations. He talked about righteousness as displayed in Christ that we should have in our lives, but he continually talks about where the source for the ability to glorify God in our lives is to have a right attitude, to be able to continue under adverse circumstances, to, to, to have the fruit of the Spirit, if you will, to exemplify, to show, to, to be good in bad circumstances. To do good works that are fruitful because you are doing the will of God. Doing those things that are pleasing to Him and walking worthy of the Lord. 
even when it's almost impossible. We're talking about intercession, how to pray for one another. And what Paul prayed for them were things that he experienced. And so I want us to come back and kind of pick up where we left off. Now, last week, I gave you three blanks and filled in one. So this week, I decided to give you eight. We'll see how far we get. No, I've, I've already promised my wife that we will fill in our blanks, <laughs> that we will go through this text. But we are focusing again on Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. And this is going to be the last sermon in this passage or based on this passage. Next week, we'll go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 and focus our attention on what Scripture reveals to us about the glorious Christ. But what we're doing this morning is we're looking at how to pray for someone who is in difficult circumstances or how to pray for someone who is a difficult person in your life. Both of those. And so let's read the whole text, but we're going to come back and read verse 11 twice. And so Paul writes, From the day we heard, he heard of their strength, their love for the Lord, the the spreading of the gospel, that we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that, he's praying specific things, that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will. That's important. We need to know what God's will is in every circumstance and situation. In all spiritual wisdom, not only knowing, but the application of that knowledge. And understanding, putting it all together in how we live our lives. So, there's a reason that we know that. The reason that we put it together. Verse 10, here's the goal. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. Now here's where, and and I'm going to pause in the reading until we get through this to to verse 11. But I want you to grasp this. In Ephesians chapter 4, he says that we are to find those things that please God and do them. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we have the instruction that we no longer live for ourselves. We've been bought with a price. Now, we live no longer to please ourselves, but rather to please Him. There's this whole thing going on in modern day Christianity that says you can claim Christ and claim to be a Christian and you can identify with a local congregation and yet you can live and do whatever you want to do. You can be, quote, saved, but Christ not yet be, quote, Lord of your life. That is not what Scripture teaches. Scripture teaches that when you come to Christ, you surrender all, that you identify and acknowledge that He is the Lord of your life and He makes you new and He lives His life in us and through us. And so, The idea that I can be a Christian, have my ticket punch, go to heaven when I die, but not care anything about it on earth and make my own choices, my own decisions. I can focus, no longer live, I can live to please myself rather than pleasing God. That That is not what Scripture teaches. Are we good there? And so it's very important that we understand that Paul is praying that they will know the will of God, that they will walk in the will of God, and that they will be fully pleasing to Him. Now, we get to last week's sermon. How? By bearing fruit in every good work. The expression of doing the will of God. Being a benefit to those around us. uh, And increasing in the knowledge of God. Knowing Him more as we walk in obedience to Him. And now we come to the verse that we're focusing on today. Being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might. For all endurance and patience with joy giving thanks to the Father. Who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Listen, what has He done? He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the, forgiven, the forgiveness of sin. So Paul continually comes back and celebrates that we're made new in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this morning I want to talk about how do we endure 
in difficult circumstances. Father, as we look into your word, I want to make sure that we're just revealing the truth that you have there, that your Holy Spirit will teach us and apply this truth to our life. We want our lives to be worthy of you, to be worthy of your name. We are not Jesus, but you are Jesus. You've called us to reflect the glory of Christ, to emulate Christ. And then you give us the ability to do that. You, you have applied to our account the righteousness of Christ. And now, Father, you call us to live in such a way that is in accordance with your will and that is fully pleasing to you in every circumstance and situations, even when times are hard. So teach us. We want to know how you would have us to do that. In your name I pray. Amen. All right, now focusing on verse 11. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. We're going to come back and talk about that, but those are three words right there. Strengthened, power, and might. Paul talks about the power of God that lives within us. In Ephesians chapter 1, he's praying for the church at Ephesus, and he prays it. I pray that you will know the might of God's power that works. He uses even a different word there, ergon, that works in you. And then he identifies the power. He says, it's the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, one of the things that I say and have said here often, I have heard it. It's not original with me. But a lot of times when we get a command in Scripture, we say, I can't. And, and the response is, own it. You're right. I can't. You never said I could. But you can. You always said you would. I'll depend upon you as I do that which I cannot do. And then you make it a reality in my life. And I know that's a lot of words strung together. I don't mean for it to be con- confusing. But here's the key. Here's the key. God never commands you to do something that he does not enable you to do through the power of his Holy Spirit working in you. Amen. We got a witness there? All right. God never commands you to do something he does not enable you to do by the power of his spirit that works within you. And so, and specifically in this situation, verse 11, he says you've got the, you, you will be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. For two things, all endurance and patience with joy. And we'll talk about that with joy in a moment. But I want us to look at those two things. The word endurance, again, just quickly, you've heard me say it before, hupomeno, to bear up under, it means to continue, to not give up, to not stumble, to not fall, to not, to not quit. And we need the power to endure difficult circumstances in our life. And it's important that we recognize that He gives us the power to do that when we turn to Him rather than turning away from Him in circumstances. Have you ever heard anybody say, I'm mad at God? I prayed for this, it didn't happen. I prayed for this illness to be healed. I prayed for this life to be spared. I prayed for this peace to reign, and it's not happening. And so, I'm done, I quit, I give up, I'm not going to do it anymore. There are a lot of people who, even if they don't overtly deconstruct their Christianity, even if they don't overtly do so, they will kind of withdraw and say, well, I know what God says, but it was not my experience in this situation. And so I'm just going to build a little shield around my heart. And they distance themselves from the presence of a loving and active God and the power of God. And it's what David says in Psalm chapter 40, those who turn away from God and turn to idols and turn to those things which lie as opposed to turning to God. Now I want us to just... This morning, again, I want to take just a few minutes with this 
And look at how we turn to God in difficult circumstances. Now, I'm not going to define your difficult circumstances because I don't know what they are. I know what some of us are going through. I pray. I pray for you on a regular basis. I pray down the membership list. We pray over the requests that come in. I know that we're praying for some people who are sick and have a bad diagnosis. I know that we're praying, some people who have chron- praying for people who have chronic illnesses. I know that we're paying, praying. Sorry, don't mean to get tongued out here. I know that we're praying for people who have difficulty and have to make choices in their employment, in their work, and in their job. And there's a number of difficult circumstances. And I have to tell you that don't get too married to your difficult circumstances because they're probably going to change. I mean, but you will face difficult circumstances on an ongoing basis. How do you endure? How do you not grow weary in well-doing, in doing good works that are fruitful for the glory of God? Well, I don't think we have a better example than King David. King David was anointed as king as a young man. Did he immediately become king? He did not. He was given a job, but somebody else was in the position. He had to wait on Saul. Saul persecuted him. And you know David prayed for deliverance. One time David was ministering to Saul, doing his job, and ministering to the Lord. And Saul was so infuriated and angry, he threw a spear at him. Bad workplace conditions. <laughs> okay, just, just not, not a good situation. All right, Uh, David had to face a lot of things. He faced deliverance. uh, He needed deliverance from uh, from Saul. He needed deliverance from other enemies in his life. He was rejected by his wife. When he did have a family, his family suffered. He had a son that abused a daughter. He had sons that killed other sons. He ultimately had a son who rebelled against him, and David himself had to go into exile. David himself struggled and fell. He had a moral failure, and he was exiled from his own kingdom, and the list goes on. And so in Psalm chapter 40, by the way, just if you don't mind, open your Bibles there, because we're going to look at several verses as we skip around there, and, and uh, not skip around, but as we go through that text, I want us to just pick out quickly a few things that are true in, in this passage that I think will help us to remain faithful and endure, even as David did. His current situation is found in verse 12 of Psalm 40. He's praying now and saying, verse 12, For evils have encompassed me beyond number. My own iniquities have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. What's his current plea? Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste. To help me. Whatever the circumstance David was facing, it was unpleasant at best. It was detrimental to his health. It was detrimental to his walk. It was detrimental to his life. He was in a difficult circumstances stance. And yet, what how did he begin? Remember what we already read in the first eleven verses? How did he how did he begin this psalm? He began by remembering the grace of God. One of the ways that we turn to God, and if you're following along on your outline, this would be a good place to fill in some additional blanks, (laughs) is we need to remember the grace of God in the past. We need to remember the grace of God in the past. It's important. He says, I waited, verse 1 of 40, patiently for the Lord. Past tense, He inclined to me and heard my cry. 
past tense. He drew me up from the pit of destruction and out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. Past tense. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise for our God, and many will see and fear and put their trust in God. Current struggles often consume our minds and our intention to the extent that we forget God and how He has moved in our past. We develop a nearsightedness that cannot see beyond our current distress. David begins this song with remembering, remembering how God has moved and how God has worked. You remember how God moved in David's life so many times? You guys ever hear the story of Goliath? And God's deliverance of David and Israel through David in the situation with, design, with Goliath. David had to wait for deliverance. It was, a, it was a difficult circumstance when he was anointed king, and yet Saul was still king. And God told David, you wait, you wait patiently, you obey me in the circumstance and the situation that you're in right now. You don't serve your own flesh, you don't lay your hand against God's anointed, you trust me with a consequence. And it was years later before God removed Saul and elevated David to the throne. And when he did, he elevated him to the throne of the southern kingdom, not the northern tribes. It wasn't until years after that that he became the king of the northern tribes as well and became king of the nations, as described in Psalms. God moved mightily in his past, and David remembers that in his current distress. And so I want to tell you, if you're going through a difficult time right now and it's all you can think about, it keeps you awake, doesn't let you get rest at night. Or if it's a situation that you just carry around like a load that you're carrying, a burden that you're bearing, I encourage you, the first thing is just to remember how God has moved your life in, the, in, in your life in the past. Has God answered your prayers? Have there been times when you've seen the faithfulness of God? Has there been times when God just surprised you in his, with His goodness? When He delivered you out of a specific circumstance or situation? And it may have been just in the past few weeks, or it may have just been in the past few months, or you may have to go back to a year or two years or three years ago. But remember the faithfulness of God. And it's not enough to remember it. You have to talk about it as well. It was not enough for David that God had delivered him. He also told others about it. He shared it with his people, with his family, with his nation. He made it a point to rehearse it, to celebrate it, to proclaim how God had worked in previous times of distress. Verse 9, if you're still in Psalm 40, look at verse 9. I've told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Listen, I gave a witness. I told people, listen, I prayed and God answered my prayer. Look how God has moved and how God has worked. I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness. And so, you not only remember the grace of God, you talk about the goodness of God. We serve a good God. Amen. That's the second. We talk about the goodness of God. Now, when you're having a, trouble, a difficult time, what do you talk about? I know, this is a lot of words in a short period of time. Bear with me. But listen, when you're having a tough time, what do you find yourself talking about? Do you know what I talk about all winter long? Everybody here knows what I talk about all winter long. Ah, that's exactly right. I, I find, even on days like today, it was 46 degrees when I walked out of my house this morning. 
it was lightly raining, just a sprinkle. And under most circumstances, most people would say, this is good. It's not too hot. It's not overbearingly cold. It's not pouring down. As a matter of fact, I talked to somebody here and said, yeah, it's pretty nasty weather. And they said, well, as they were walking in, they said, at least it's not pouring down rain. I'm thinking, that's, that's what I should have said. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I should have been thinking. <laughs> Thanks, Katie. Uh, readjust my perspective on, 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 on the goodness and the graciousness of God. When I'm having a hard time, I tend to fill my mouth with complaints and with whining. And rehearsing my difficulties and struggles. And yet David says, you not only remember the grace of God, His goodness is what should fill your mouth. You should take time to reflect and to proclaim, to speak the goodness of God. When you go into a difficult time, when you reflect and you speak the goodness of God, it helps you to continually seek the face of God. That's what David did. We find that further in Psalm chapter 40. Matter of fact, we'll just pick up in, in verse 11 and read a little bit further. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. I've got confidence in you. I've seen what you've done in the past, and I'm talking about it. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. Here's my current circumstance. Evil has encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities, my own iniquities have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. And then he cries out in verse 13, Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. I need out of this situation. And until then, make haste to help me. I need endurance and strength to stand. Let those be put to shame and disappointed altogether who seek to snatch away my life. And he talks about his enemies. But look at verse uh, 16. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, Great is the Lord. He goes on to say, I'm insufficient. As for me, I'm poor and needy. But you are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, oh my God. And that's the third thing. We need to not only remember the grace of God and talk about the goodness of God, we need to continually seek the face of God. Those who, when, when you are in a difficult circumstance, you need to allow the circumstance to draw you into the presence of God. Now, I will tell you, some of the, your difficulties are not your fault. You live in a fallen world. And frankly, some of us may be the victims of other people's sins. And it's caused difficult circumstances for us. Some of us may experience difficulties just because we are believers in a world that rejects God. And we are persecuted. I think of the believers in the Ukraine right now. There are believers in Russia as well, but there are believers in the Ukraine that are specifically suffering. And they're not the only ones. There's a persecuted church around the world. And we need to thank God, by the way, for the freedoms that we're afforded right now while we have them. And depend on His grace and His goodness. And celebrate those things and talk about those things. But we need to continually seek the face of God when we are persecuted. When we are struggling. How does God strengthen you with all power according to His glorious might? In order that you may endure. That you might hupomeno remain up under. You continually turn to Him. When you see someone who is going through difficulties. Now, this is, this is learnings that we have for us. But I want here's, here, how do we pray for somebody who's going through a difficult time when we are brothers and sisters in Christ? 
when we're caring for one another, loving one another, concerned for one another, how do we do that? Well, we pray for deliverance. Father, our prayer, our request is that you will deliver them from the pain that they're facing. Our prayer, Father, is that you will free them from this, that you will take them out of the situation, that you will silence their enemies, that you will heal their body, that you will provide for their physical and financial need. Our prayer, Father, is that you will deliver them. Additionally, Father, we pray that you will be their help, that you will remind them how you've worked in their life in the past, that you will be a testimony to them and that we can be a testimony to them of how you have been faithful to us in the past so that it might strengthen them, Hebrews chapter 12, strengthen their weak knees, help them to be strong as they endure in difficult circumstances like they did back at the first. And Father, most of all, we pray for this person going through this difficulty that they will not separate themselves from you, that they will not back up, that they will not withdraw, but this will bring them more fully dependent upon your power. Father, you have delivered them from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your glorious light. You have redeemed them. You have given them your life. You are expressing grace to them. And so, Father, you hold them, hold them, hold them in the the palm of your hand. Like a parent holding a hurting child. Let them know your love and your faithfulness that endures to all generations and that endures to every circumstance. Amen? Isn't that a good way to pray for one another? Isn't that a good way to pray for one another? But what if you don't like the person? What if it's one of those irritating people? What if it's somebody who gets on your last nerve? So I've been studying the word macrothumia because he says... You may be strengthened by the power of God according to His glorious might for endurance, which mostly deals with circumstances and situations. And then he says patience, and that word is macrothumia. Oh, we know what macro is, right? That's the opposite of micro. Micro. Macro is big. It's long. It's far. Thumia means passion or rage. How do we have patience? How are we able to continue a long period of time with someone who gets on our nerves, who evokes rage in us or who evokes anger in us? Or frankly who just evokes irritation in us. And I want you to understand that the application in the context of this message is not for abusers. You should not be patient with an abuser. You should demand justice, both from God and from the legal system. I want you to understand that. Yes? Okay. If there's anyone here that's experiencing something like that, you need to call us. It's the leaders of the church. We will love you and care for you, and we will call whatever authorities we need to call to remedy the situation. But short of that, just in living life, do any of you have to live with irritating people? I always always love this, because the husbands always look like, nope, don't know what you're talking about, and the wives are like, yeah. Do you, do you, and I'm kidding, that's a joke, all right, and, and, and not a very good one. But all of us have people in our lives that irritate us, right? All of us have people that rub us the wrong way, and if not consistently, at least occasionally, right? There are those people that when we see coming, it just kind of gets our back up. Well, how do we live together when people, how do we have patience in circumstances that demand it? How do you pray for difficult people in your life? The first thing is you need to recognize that God wants to work in you, on you, and then through you. You got that? God wants to work in you, to work on you, to then work through you. 
And so the best thing you can, the only thing you can be responsible for is your obedience to God's word. And then we entrust them to God as well. But the first thing I want you to do is you've got, you got to make peace a priority in your relationships. You've got to make peace a priority in your relationships. The priority is the first blank. Power to have patience with difficult people comes when we determine to glorify God in our relationships. When we determine to glorify God in our relationships. Most of us don't really care that much about glorifying God in difficult relationships. We want peace at the expense of glorifying God by, by winning an argument, by, by uh, uh, just shutting someone down, by being critical of them. And yet we are called to have the glory of God. To What does that mean? To walk worthy of the Lord in the knowledge, filled with the knowledge of His will, and in every way being pleasing to Him, which governs how we talk, it governs how we think, it governs the actions that we do, as well as the, the intentions of our own heart in those relationships. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 says, Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So we are peacemakers. Romans chapter 12, verse 18, insofar, if possible, insofar as it depends upon you, live peaceably with all. The Bible gets in, goes, goes so deep in it. You know, circumstances can refine our, our rough edges, but it is people that really let us know whether we believe the gospel is true or not. It is how we relate to people, how we respond to people, how we deal with people, whether we believe the gospel is true or not. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. We ought to, at the very least, desire to be peaceful in our relationships with, with difficult people. And, and, of course, the response is, you don't know them. You don't know how they talk to me. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know how they hurt me. You don't know what they've done in my life. You don't know the history and the baggage that we care. And my, my question to you would then be to say, what did they do to Jesus? Romans chapter 12. Who endured the pain of the cross for the joy that was set before Him. He endured for the joy that was coming, we have the same joy, the joy of eternity with Christ. And yet, he didn't seek his own. He sought their good and their benefit. The kind of God we really believe in is revealed in how we treat one another. The gospel of Jesus positions us to treat one another with honor and respect. Romans chapter 12, verse 9, 10, 11, 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4. So many passages of Scripture. Colossians chapter 3. Talk about Philippians 2. Philippians 4. As a matter of fact, it, you'll be hard-pressed to find a book in the Bible, particularly in the New Testament, particularly in the epistles of the New Testament, that does not specifically deal with how we're to treat and love one another. The gospel of Jesus positions us to treat one another with honor and respect. And our flesh... Our own desires position us to treat one another like dirt. And here's the deal. We will follow through in our horizontal relationships on whatever we really believe as far as our walk and our relationship with God. Our relationships with one another reveal to us what we really believe as opposed to what we think we might believe or as opposed to what we profess we believe. It is possible for the gospel to remain at a shallow level of opinion, a truth that we simply acknowledge, even a sincere opinion, without ever penetrating to the deeper level of conviction and understanding in our life. And here's what I mean. We get to love everyone. 
regardless of whether they are lovely or not, because Christ so loved us. We need not only better manners, we need far more true faith. But we do need better manners. Better manners that stem from a deeper faith, a deeper understanding of grace. Here's what I want you to understand about that person that gets on your nerve. By the way, you got them pictured in your mind? Here's what I want you to understand about that person. God loves them just as much as He loves you. Christ died for them as He died for you. The Holy Spirit can bring transformation in their life just as He's brought transformation in your life. You are forgiven. You are to express forgiveness. There are consequences to holding grudges, to choosing to not get along, consequences in your walk with God, consequences in your witness, consequences in other relationships. And so I want to Say, first of all, make peace a priority. Pursue it. Pursue it. But second, you need to keep your heart soft. You guys know Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 through 32? The first thing is let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. The first thing you've got to do is to stop wanting ill to happen to them. <laughs> You've got to ask God to keep your heart soft, to not be bitter because of the offense that they have been or the offense that they are. Don't gossip. Don't complain about them to others. Don't wish them ill. As a matter of fact, find ways to be kind. Here's what Jesus says. Jesus says anybody can love their friends. But I'm telling you, love your enemies. But, Jesus These Roman soldiers will come by and by law, they can tell us to carry their bags and carry their cloak for a whole mile. What are we supposed to do about that? Jesus' response, carry it too. Ooh, I don't like that. Why? Because we want what we want. Either our own ease, our own desires, our own vindication, our own justification. We establish barriers in our heart that God is not established and that God wishes to tear down so that they can have or see on display the love of God as well. And so we forgive because we have been forgiven. Again, we're talking about relationships. How about just be kind? Can you be kind to the one who you have trouble with? Be ye kind one to another. Tender-hearted. Don't let your heart get hard. Forgiving one another. Even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. So, can you? Or how can you? You can when you're strengthened by His power that works in you according to His might. And He changes your perspective you can forgive because you are forgiven you can know peace in those relationships now the last thing i want to say today about this is simply there comes a time when there's someone who has been intractable in your life they may have been uh, um, uh, abusive they there may be uh, other situations where you just have to agree to disagree by the way we can do a whole thing on just paul and barnabas 
Two good godly men who disagreed and parted ways. Parted ways to serve God in different directions. I'm not saying that you have to agree, and I'm not saying peace at any price. You do understand that there's some things you need to stand on and stand firm on and stand for. This is a narrow scope that I'm talking about in this application, but it's an important one. Because we do need to be kind to one another. We need to be loving. We need to encourage and support one another. And when there is a rift in the relationship, we need to pursue peace to the glory of God. For His testimony is how the world knows. By, by, by our love for one another, it serves as a testimony to the, to the world of the presence of Christ in our life. But there comes a time when you need to set appropriate boundaries. There can come a time when you need to set appropriate boundaries. Proverbs chapter 22, verses 24 and 5 says, Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man. Don't be his buddy, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Proverbs 17, 27 and 28 says, He who has knowledge spares his word, and a man of understanding is of calm spirit. Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. When he shuts his lips, he is considered perceptive. There are times when you are to engage, and there are times when you are to establish boundaries and say, this is as far as I can go at this time. We'll pray that God will remove those boundaries in the future, but this is as far as this can go. To the glory of God, in obedience, still being kind, still not slandering, still not gossiping, still loving. So how do we pray for the ones who are difficult in our life? You pray scripture for them. In Matthew five forty three through 48 I'm going to read out of a different translation than I typically do. Jesus teaching in the Sermon on the Mount says, You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward is that? Are not even the tax collectors and sinners doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be mature, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And so one of the ways that we can pray is simply say, Lord, I confess it's so much easier for me to love those whom I click with, those who I get along with, those who are easy for me to be around, those who are like me. My initial response to someone who is unkind or challenging or rude is to either lash out or to be passive-aggressive or to gossip or to tear them down or vindicate myself verbally with them. And so I ask you to forgive me. You've loved me at my worst. Help me to love them. Show me how I can serve them. Help me as I pray for them that they will know your grace and they will know your peace. Help me to serve them by good works that bear fruit in their life. I pray that you will bless them, that you will work in their heart, that they will know you and that they will walk with you, that you will use me as a means to display your grace to them. Can you do that? He can. And he lives in you. Isn't God good? We covered a lot today. How to... How to endure, hupomeno, how to be patient with those who get on your nerves and how to pray for all of them. It's important that we do this because we live that God may be glorified in us. Father, thank you. Thank you for not only the exhortation, but the explanation and the examples that we have in your word. 
You have been so gracious to us. We haven't deserved your love. We haven't deserved your patience. We haven't deserved your sacrifice. And yet, you gave your Son to pay the penalty for our sin. You continually love us in spite of our rebellion and our weakness and our, 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 our lack of repentance and coming to you for cleansing. So for those of us today who are struggling, and I pray, Father, that you will help us to remember your goodness and your grace in the past and talk about it to others. And I pray that in the midst of the struggle, we will continually be drawn to your presence, turn our hearts and minds to you. For those who are struggling with difficult people, I pray, Father, that you will help us to extend grace, that you will help us to pursue peace, that you will help us to remember the purpose of our relationships is so that you can be glorified in us and through us and before a world who doesn't know you. Father, help us to not have a bitter, hardened heart, but keep our heart soft, break it, and make it soft. Help us to know what lines to draw and not to cross, and yet help us to trust you completely in every circumstance. In your name I pray. Amen.